The theme for the uh, afternoon uh, talk is the power of uh, concentration and receptivity to the deep. And in this talk with you uh, this this afternoon, uh, to give the primary focus to the uh, uh, meditations, to the field of uh, inner experience, and looking at the importance of uh, 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 this relationship. And there are a variety of uh, themes and aspects uh, uh, therein. And uh, time to time I will use the uh, Pali uh, word as a certain precision um, uh, to it. During the days that we've been here together, the there has been a thread with regard to the instructions uh, uh, themselves. And in uh, the uh, application of the uh, instructions, the words um, have a a certain kind of reference I will try to explain. So we speak of mindfulness, and mindfulness we could say, is that which reveals, it shows up. Right now I am mindful of sitting here, mindful of the privilege of uh, sharing the Dharma uh, with you. So mindfulness is that which reveals, it shows. It can show from the past and from the present, it can show relationship to the future, it can show from the shallow, and it can show from the deep. And the object, let us say breath or the body for the moment, when there is the quiet capacity to stay accessible and available to the object, breath and body I'm speaking of for the moment, when that becomes more available and there is an establishing of the relationship to it, this means there is some continuity. This shows that concentration is developing. This shows that the meditation is developing. So we could say there is the application, it's the Buddha's word here, there is the application of mindfulness. When the mindfulness is being sustained, not perfectly, not in every moment, but generally, the regularity and a certain continuity of the mindfulness, when we sense that and we experience it, we call it concentration or we call it um, uh, meditation. And the Pali word, because of the precision, the word sam, Madi. D is the particular and Sam is the coming together on the particular. This is called concentration. And that requires from us not only the regular application of the attention to the object, but it also requires, in a way, the response of the whole being. What I mean by that is not just mindfulness of the object. It's mindfulness with energy. It is mindfulness with interest. It's mindfulness with a real sense of presence. It is a mindfulness which is recognizing, let us take the breath for a moment, that it is coming, it is entering into the body, therefore it is staying for a while, and it is passing out just as every other single experience, without exception, has the same characteristic that it comes into our life, it stays for a while and it goes. Just as we ourselves are born into this world, we make this journey through this field of existence and we pass out of this world. So the breath is the confirmation of the human experience in every other area 
of the relationship to what is arising, what is staying and what is passing. We can come to the end of a meditation. It is valuable to look back over the period of time, it might be a half an hour meditation of 45 minutes, hour, whatever, and quite quickly we can have a, a kind of general sense, mostly, of the quality of that meditation. We may feel quietly uh, satisfied with the meditation. There was a sense that it was a meditation, that one wasn't spending the whole time in stories and fantasies and daydreams and expectations and memories and so forth, so that we can come, at times, to the end of the meditation, as I said, which has a general sense, not perfect, that the primary object, that there was a capacity to stay with it, breath, body, or, or whatever. We can look in that reflection as well at the relationship to the beginning of the meditation, the middle period of it, um, and the end. It might, and it might come to us, we don't have to look for this, it might provide us with some insight and understanding about our relationship to beginnings, <coughs> middles and endings. Because human issues and certainly human suffering and all of the uh, dynamics and degrees of it, all of it has a relationship, without exception, to what starts and does or doesn't start, which we want either to start and it doesn't, what stays and we want it to go, or what passes and we don't want it, him, her, that to pass. The human relationship finds itself in this field of experience consistently relating to what arises, stays and passes or consistently relating to what doesn't arise, doesn't stay and doesn't pass. And now our meditations with the four postures and the other dynamics of the day can contribute to our relationship and the clarity what is my relationship to who and what is important in my life in terms of its arising or him or her or this or that they're staying or they're passing or this or, or that what is my relationship in life to beginning, middles and endings? Because your peace of mind is 100% dependent on your relationship to what starts, stays and passes. And if you can think of a situation where there isn't some difficulty or anguish or stress, which is not around arising, staying or passing, please let me know. I've asked this question for 40 years uh, and uh, I just look, well, it's fairly obvious, isn't it? What is here, what is not here, what has come, what hasn't come, what has gone, what hasn't gone. So the capacity, that means the mindfulness with the meditation or with the concentration, in getting to, to know ourselves well and clearly is to, one aspect is to know these three particular areas, the rising, the staying and the passing. It easily happens in the self. The, the self, that means the I and the my, in this dynamics of uh, existence, arises it is, there's another Pali word for the Pali Wallers here, Sam, once again, Sam, 
Things coming together. Kara, activity. So the self is a formation, some kara, which forms together. It doesn't have any independent existence. There's no permanent true self. There's no evidence for that uh, uh, anywhere. And there are times with this self, with this I, as we know, sometimes it forms together very strongly. Quite often in the very problematic mind. When I, 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 me, 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 my, my is at its strongest, it's usually around greed and I want and anger and blame and fear. There can be a strong sense of I, I, me, me, my, my. And there are times in the absence of blame, greed, uh, anger, fear, anxiety, in the absence of that, the sense of the being <coughs> can be, and the, and the I and my, sublime, very quiet, restful, and there is a real sense I, that's that formation, that's that construction, I am not making any demand on myself and I, 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 I am not making any demand on or other or on life. So in the I and the my is not in centre stage, it is not dominating consciousness, when, it, when we're not fixated around I and my there, there is a quiet of the being, a receptivity of the being, and out of the depth can come that which is profound. It is never just about absence of I and my in the quietness of, to be in the quietness of the being there, but it's the quietness of the being in which there is no demand on life or oneself, in order that something deep, and there's much here, something deep can move through the being. Something else. It's, you know, sometimes the mystics and the sages you know, will, will uh, speak of this uh, receptivity to the deep. And it's quite often said, it kind of, it comes to me. It's not that I can just go and go to the deep at will. But the receptivity, something can move in many ways. I spoke the other day about uh, the voice as one expression of it. Can move through the being, as it were, into consciousness and something touches one. The inspiration, the beautiful creative idea the act of love and com uh, compassion, the willingness to let go, the ability to make tremendous sacrifice, and much, much more. It comes out of the depth. And when the I and my is not so obstructive, to use the uh, Buddha's word here, not such a hindrance, it's not getting in the way the deep can move through the being one of the things here we, we uh, uh, poor besieged teachers um, um, here probably uh, most days and um, certainly on many many a very common construct formation of the I. And this construct and formation which is possibly spoken of most is in the formation of the identity with a role, with a particular role. And the role, whatever that role uh, may be, forms itself inwardly the self is there, the I and my, in its formation, 
and it often drags up with it, touched upon this with you before, quite a lot of old baggage. So it's not just the role um, as a simple presentation there, but it's a role with. And the ones which are most common, and this is where the besieged teachers come in, the one which is the most common is around the role of son, daughter, mother, father, uh, boss, husband, wife, partner. And in this formation, in which there's the identity, oh, I am the daughter of, I am the son of, I am the father of, I am the mother of, I am the brother of, I am the sister of, um, I am the employee of, I am the employer of, this is my colleague, this is my partner, this is my lover, this is my husband, this is my wife, etc. There is a greater probability it is much more likely of suffering around the presentation of the role or the loss of it. The loss of it can be, of course, a death. The loss of a role can be the other leaves or oneself uh, leaves. And it's in this area that there is a tremendous amount of problematic relationship and unfortunately, and, and very unfortunately, it gets carried into the retreat. <laughs> Sometimes teachers are expected to show compassion. Sometimes teachers are in very keen need of compassion. It has to go both ways. And what I have in, have in mind uh, here, and uh, have a li- I have a little experience in this. How many retreats have I offered in 40 years? I don't know, 500,000? I have no idea. And what easily happens, the role, this identity, family, someone important, someone close to you, Parents, children, grandparents, brothers, sister, partner, etc. It arises in the retreat. Human. It's something unresolved. And then there is a wish to go and knock on Sonia's uh, door or on uh, uh, my door, or write down the name, or I need an urgent meeting with you. I'm saying, oh no, here we go. Uh, whatever. It, <laughs> whatever uh, uh, it might be. And the identity with the role becomes the focus of the talking point. The talking point carries no indication whatsoever that the person who is talking about being the son, the daughter, the brother, the mother, the father, the lover, whatever, there is no indication whatsoever that the person who is talking about a problem in a role has any interest to end it. Period. You understand? You can talk about it. You can talk about it till the holy cows come home. It, it, there is not a single intimation that there is any interest to change. It's a short, temporary, little Miserable catharsis. And the poor sod, which is called teachers, uh, 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 here. And sometimes, in different places, uh, this is where the, uh, uh, whatever, uh, the voice comes. Sometimes, I have made, and I, uh, touch upon this from time to time, a condition of participating in the retreat 
that not a single word is said to moi in terms of these kinds of roles or identities that we have in the, in the daily life. And why sometimes I come to this point is yeah, because uh, some of you, <clears throat> and I you know, love you very much, not all the time, but you know, <laughs> probably just enough, <laughs> that some of you, you come on a retreat with uh, Christopher at the World House and then you might turn up in October or you might turn up in a year or two's time or at Seminar House Engel. And I have to endure exactly the same story from the previous year or the previous <laughs> six months and then the, and the following year and the person is trying to convince me, no, the story is a little different. <laughs> it isn't. It's exactly the same. The, the difference is, is for your personal entertainment in your suffering. But there's no real difference. And sometimes there is more likelihood of depth coming through not making reference to the daily life and roles and identity, doing kind of hardcore vipassana meditation practice, having some trust in that and staying true to that. Because when the mind is, wants to talk about it, it will not be enough to talk with one teacher. The one will yo-yo in those two or three metres between Sonia's room and my room, back with the, go and talk with her. Maybe she's got a better insight than Christopher. Or go and talk with Christopher, uh, etc. There is no liberation just through talking about. There never was. It is a temporary relief. And it's the depth in a way which do, does the talking. It's the depth which gives the trust. It's the depth which says, let me stay and have a whole different view of this. It's the depth with, which says, enough is enough. I'm finished, I'm out. And that depth there is, is the force there. It, is, it has the power People do change their lives out of the depth there. And, we, and somehow, somehow or other, it's a kind of quiet commitment to this. And so my kind of uh, um, resolution um, uh, uh, currently, this is a health warning. If I have listened to any, I have several of you, listen to you and your roles in your daily life. I want you, you should come again. You're very, you're very welcome. If you come again, you have to make a commitment. You will not say one more word to me about your roles. I'm fed up listening to them. <laughs> you've had six months or a year or two years to change, and if you've done nothing about it, one more conversation will not help you. You have to be bold. You have to use your imagination. You have to face up to the fact that there are people in your life who are difficult. And if you have a romantic idea that you can just change difficult people and you can make them pleasing to yourself, you are living in cuckoo land. <laughs> you might as well spend the rest of your life in a Walt Disney Entertainment Place. We have to. We live in this world. There are difficult people in this world. Some of those difficult people we know, we live with. They're they're the blood ones, and 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 the uh, others there, and the presence and the concentration and and the, and the power and the staying steady uh, with this and the ability to say yes and the ability to have a different attitude 
and the ability to move on from or let go of that is what our practice is about it's not about talking to feel a bit more comfortable because nothing changes it's a, a short temporary relief I think you get the point <laughs> All right. <clears throat> in the relationship to the power the Buddha's word here the power of concentration the power to stay steady sometimes we need that power in the face as we've spoken here of the pain in the body of what's happening there so that the presence uh, of that to, to know it so well that concentration power that then we are able because we know it we're, we feel it we're, we're close to it to bring the same quality of it into other situations without carrying the fault finding and the blame and uh, the projections and and finding ourselves only thinking and talking about the other, whoever she, he, or they may, may, may be. We, we, when we do that, we lose our power. We lose our quiet or authority to be concentrated and, and steady. It can be, and a number of you made reference to this as well, in the development of the days of the meditations, that we could say amongst the different avenues of looking here that there is a certain expansion which is taking place. The breath, as an example, is a rather um, modest location, we could say, in the vast field of existence. The pain in the body is a modest, small location also in the vast field. Uh, there is some expansion out which can take place that expansion out as example could include the whole breath experience so it's, pardon me it isn't one of just concentrating on the tip of the nose or the rise and fall but the fullness of experiencing life breathing in and breathing out or to expand to include the whole body and human beings Quite naturally, we kind of love the sense of expansion. It's not surprising, is it, that sometimes when people, as an example, uh, uh, go on a holiday, not by a plane, of course, and, and look out and just at the evening sunset by by the sea as an example and there is an enjoyment in that exp expansion there is the sky above and the quietness of the evening sea or the uh, the ocean uh, the elements uh, there the warmth of the uh, evening and very little in in the way of things 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 and there's something we appreciate about, sorry appreciate about this expanse and spaciousness there. Something healthy and, and uh, pardon me, appropriate for us. Similarly, when um, being um, high up in the mountains, uh, it may be, or just sometimes um, at the centre here, just looking out uh, across the valley there to the village below on such a, uh, a lovely day. I just that sense, as we just did with the short yatra, of just uh, walking through uh, the, the forest and all, all the greenery and the expanse of the, of the forest. Something in the being responds uh, to this. And the teachings fully acknowledge this and, and fully recognize uh, this. And in that, some expansion is, has been and is taking place. And that's showing itself from the breath to the body to the uh, feeling life to 
the diversity of the states of mind, and sometimes expanding out further to a real sense of um, openness and receptivity and, as the language sometimes goes, a kind of choiceless awareness, a choiceless mindfulness, a choiceless observation, so that we are not focused in these times on the particular breath, body, feeling, but there is an expansiveness. But that expansiveness cannot stay unless there is depth. It's not possible. And what can happen and easily happens is in the following of the instructions, the breath, the body, states of mind, the feeling, emotional life and more there, in the expansion out, the depth, if it's there, it's kind of grounding. It centers us. We feel the calm in the deep of the being and because it is a choiceless interest, the general sense is there is expansiveness and in that expansiveness sounds may come, the light and the colour of the day may come, the feeling of the posture may come, some thoughts will come and uh, uh, pass there, a memory, a feeling. And it, the experience with the depth is there are these manifestations, but they're not distracting me. I'm not getting lost in them. I'm not just kind of swimming around, daydreaming and fantasizing and thinking and specu uh, speculating. So that the, ex the expanse is the primary and into that expansive awareness, the world of the senses, what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, the world of the inner life, feelings and hearts and memory and future idea or whatever, kind of moves and flows in and out of this expansiveness. As I mentioned, it does require the depth and the concentration and the focus that we give contribute to the depth. And what that means is the concentration is established on the object. The coming together on the particular, that's the word samadhi, it's established on the object. And the interest, the power of the mindfulness, the continuity of the meditation or the samadhi. And we can get so steady with the being, so steady with it, that the, we are not so dependent on the object. Understand? The object is not... We're not reliant on the object to stay concentrated. And so the object, that particular for us, when there's depth, can fade, the object can fade, at night, whatever it might be, and in the fading of the object, there is an expansiveness. And this expansiveness can be a remarkably open doorway to understanding what liberation is all about. If one thinks this world, world on quotation marks, is full of objects, one is not seeing this world properly. It is not. It's not what the nature of the world is. It's what human beings in our perception, in our constructions, in our languages, in our thought and mood there, we have determined that the world, quotation marks, is full of objects called people, sentient, 
sentient life, people, animals, creatures, and insentient. There. And, and in this world, this is how we construct the world, in this world, full of so-called full of objects, people, sentient life and things there, obviously, out of the multiplicity, some of them, and there ain't that many, are really, really important to us. And much else is no importance to us at all. None. And you and I, we can do these loving-kindness meditations till the cows come home. We can say, what do we say? I say, Sabe, Sata, Sukita, Hantu, may all beings be happy, etc. Quiet, pleasing reminders of the diversity of life. But it won't help you to deal at all with your angry mother, father, husband, lover, son or daughter. Sweet words and sweet meditations will not give you the authority to end any problematic perception of the difficulty of somebody that you know. It just will not do it. There's no history that it will do it. So though there can be some expansion out there, and it is valuable and useful to get out of our little circle, but when it comes to dealing with significant major issues that are in our face, in that we're going to need some other kind of understanding Something else has to come out of the being, so to speak, which enables us as human beings to really address and see something so clearly, or someone so clearly, she or he has lost the capacity to have a grip on us to make us unhappy. Has lost the capacity to make us angry. We have stopped giving another person authority over our inner life. And then you've recovered your dignity. You've recovered your integrity. You've recovered your real worth as a human being because you've stopped giving other people authority over your happiness over your peace of mind, over your love, over your clarity. And then there's a, a recovery of authentic worth and, a, and a, 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 a dignity that goes with it, which gets lost every time we're fearful of others and, and negative and blaming and angry. We, 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 it burns up everything which is profound and beautiful inside of us. So in our relationship, I say, as it were, that I've got the idea that the world is full of objects, people and things and so forth, some of which really matters to me. It's not that many different things, actually. There. And <coughs> with those, can I know well and clearly, and more clearly, what they are? And to actually ask myself, and then listen afterwards to the deep, what is the change which is necessary in the relationship to the other? It could be health, it could be states of mind, 
It could be the work, it could be the study, <coughs> it could be the authority figures, it could be the business person, etc., etc., all sorts of things. What is it which, to listen and to ask the question, and the raising of the question, which will offer a new, fresh way of looking. And sometimes, we really have to, as the lovely poet uh, Rilke, we may not have the answer, but we can live the question. We live the question. Day in and day out, we live live the question, what is the change in which there is a full recovery of one's worth and dignity and integrity as a human being? And therefore, there's no transference upon the other. And if we live that question and we stay true to it in our meditations and in in our daily life, we may never come to an answer And sometimes the question, in a way, is the answer. The question makes the difference. Because when the question goes deep in the being, one is already reducing the transference and the projections onto the other. And it's the preciousness that the questioning Deep questioning is extraordinarily liberating. There's a, let's quote the Buddha for a moment here. He uh, he speaks of uh, uh, awakening, liberation, interchangeable uh, language, and I mentioned this in terms of limbs, limbs of the body. Uh, yesterday or the day before. And two, which uh, he spoke of in one of the uh, uh, lists, he speaks of the importance of mindfulness with inquiry. And sometimes the inquiry is with the question. Many questions, and, uh, uh, which we can bring to a situation. And to really... Stay true, uh, true to it, and sometimes <coughs> that. Therefore, that kind of inquiry is a reflection. But there is also the inquiry which is in the dialogue with the other, and sometimes we have to nurture that, just like sometimes we have the privilege of contact with children. And perhaps you're a school teacher, or you're a parent, or you've got nephews and nieces, or whatever, uh, the contact um, with the neighbours' children, or whatever. And sometimes the little ones are asking deep questions. Something from the deep is coming out of these children uh, there. And it's a great pity if when we have contact with uh, children, that they ask us a profound question and we don't know what to say. We say, oh, I don't know, <laughs> etc. What has happened to that spirit of, in- of uh, 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 inquiry? How is it that we've got lost in the misplaced perception of things? Sometimes in the thought here, because uh, sometimes religion is easier because it offers a bunch of beliefs and you can take the beliefs and and good luck. And but in here, because it's a, a questioning mode, and uh, uh, and there's a vitality to it. 
into the retreat because it heard the voices. Sometimes we say, yes, 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 well, it's all right on a retreat. Beautiful nature, sky above, earth below, wise and kind sangha around, the privilege of walking in the sangha of the trees. Uh, there people are caring and respectful for each other. But in our, da- this is the mantra, in our daily life, oh, my life is so busy, there's so much going on, and so much to do, and uh, yawn, yawn, yawn. And, <laughs> and all these kind of views permeate, permeate out. And with the view that kind of uh, uh, runs out, it's a kind of <coughs> verbal diarrhea. Uh, when this kind of view uh, runs out, we identify with it so easily, of course, we believe it. We believe it. We've once again transferred all authority over to society, over to the city where we live, over to the traffic on the street, or whatever. We're just given all authority there. And these teachings, amongst the many aspects of it which are precious and beautiful and challenging, challenging is, it's a teaching which says renunciation is a key to liberation. To renounce. Understand the word? To renunciation? It's to give up. It is to let go. It's to learn to be without. And though it's got its representation in the monks and the nuns, uh, and, and that is a choice for uh, some people uh, there, but the principle of it still applies. And that means that if we are deeply interested in these teachings of waking up and deeply interested in uh, uh, liberation, and being receptive to the deep, there will need to be space. And space means absence of. And if we are spending our daily lives in the addiction to the mobile phone, as one example, in which it's all text messages, Instagram and what else, Flickr and photographs and Facebook and Twitter, 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 Twitter and, and the day is spent with the games and the little clips and all, all of that. Please, say goodbye to any depth. Just say goodbye to it. You've given away your soul to Apple. <laughs> and, it, and it takes a quiet, purposeful discipline to acknowledge in daily life the beauty of space, the beauty of space in the heart, the beauty of receptivity. And therefore, these small tools have a usefulness but they kill the human spirit if, they're a, if they are an addiction. And if you're waking up in the morning and the first thing you do is checking your mo- 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 mobile phone, frankly, bury it. You're wasting your life. There's no vitality in that. It's the death of human beings. And when one sees countless numbers of people holding day in and day out, looking possibly hours every day, this is not a human existence. This, This is the life of a zombie. No wonder people are terrified of death. Of course people will be frightened of death because 
the person hasn't lived. It's tragic. And it contributes to this terrible alienation from our precious and beloved and beautiful earth. Because the self has an addiction. And our exploration and then the teachings we're receiving from Sonia in the morning, it was lovely to hear the lovely appreciations for her good words. Yes, we concentrate. We look at that relationship without addiction. Yes, we expand from a, the particular object. Yes, we appreciate the importance of expansiveness and spaciousness. Yes, we're deeply interested in what can emerge, which is profound and remarkable and extraordinary, which is not available to the chatter mind, the superficial mind. And this is our remarkable potential as, as human beings. There's no more noble way for us as human beings to pay respect to our existence than waking up, than a creative life, and to, and to bring love into this world, and to marvel at the wonder of it all, and to live it fully. And in, and in that fulfilment of the life, there will be natural comfort with death because we lived. Let's have our quiet minute, shall we? May all beings live mindful lives. May all beings be receptive to what is deep. May all beings live with love and liberation. Thank you for lending an ear.